Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. To stay connected to all that's happening here, visit RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now here's Adam Barnett with a message from our Advent series, Presence. Well, it's so good to have kids with us in service this morning, so I will honor their attention span and keep this sermon to about 53 minutes. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. If you forgot your Bible, uh, there's a red one located right in front of you under the seat. And if the Bible is new to you today, I want to make sure you can find Luke 2 quickly. That's page 1590, page 1590 in the red Bibles. And we're picking back up this morning in the birth narrative of Jesus Late in Mary's pregnancy, we read that the Roman emperor issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So Joseph and Mary had to travel to his hometown of Bethlehem, and this is unfortunate news for a few reasons. First of all, uh, some of you can imagine just a three-hour road trip at nine months pregnant. You've done that before, and you remember how difficult and uncomfortable that was. Uh, For Mary, this was a three-day journey, uh, somewhere between 70 and 80 miles. So just consider uh, finding out about this census and having to set foot back to Joseph's hometown to register. It's difficult, nine months pregnant. Second, if the baby came while they were traveling, uh, you know, when you have a child, you want to be near your family and friends. But they knew if the baby came while they were traveling, they were far removed from home and from the comfort of their relatives. Third, they had reason to speculate that this census was a prelude to a tax. That's typically how it worked. When you're invited to come back to register, you had to pay a fee. And so this entire trek, they're thinking about the fact that we're going to go register and then we're also going to pay a tax. Everybody loves increased taxes, don't they? And fourth, registering for this census was a painful reminder for God's people that they were not free. Yes, they were in the promised land, but they were under the rule of a pagan power, the Roman Empire, and they were forced to comply with whatever this empire asked of them. So, we know that this decree would have left Mary and Joseph frustrated and inconvenienced and extremely exhausted from travel But there's one possibility that might have brought them relief as they traveled. See, it's safe to assume that there were many gossiping tongues back in Nazareth, including many of their friends. This pregnancy had had disrupted so much in their lives. And on top of the fact that so many other things are changing, you have to add into the fact that no one would have believed it was miraculous. I can picture... Many of Joseph's friends sarcastically rolling their eyes at him. Yeah, buddy, we believe you. (laughs) It was a miracle, sure. And so at least maybe a little relief was found as they left town and got to escape the gossip of many people. So they arrived in Bethlehem, and in verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. This isn't biblical, but I imagine her contractions intensified Joseph remained calm and supportive, like all dads, right? No. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
No room in the inn, no nursing staff, no epidural. The Old Testament prophet Micah foretold that the ruler of Israel would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a Hebrew word that means the house of bread. So it's only fitting that the bread of life would be born in this place. Jesus had that new baby smell. He cried and he nursed and he pooped and he cried some more. I just inserted that sentence to recapture some of the children's attention. They all like talking about poop. I don't know. His first crib was a feeding box for cattle. I imagine Mary would need to eat to build back her strength after labor, so at some point, Joseph would have slipped out to find some food. But first, I imagine him taking a good long look at Jesus, maybe touching his face and gently kissing his forehead, pondering the fact that this strange encounter many months ago has now come true. And then there was Mary, a new young mommy, holding her child. She fell in love, as all new mommies do. She was far from home, but she was right where God called her to be. And as she cradled her son and looked into his eyes, she gazed into the eyes of God. The word became flesh. He said farewell to his heavenly privileges. And he stepped into this vulnerable world where there's limitations upon all of humanity. This is unthinkable, but we believe it is true. It's one of the greatest events to occur in all of history, and it is without parallel. So the Savior has come, and let's read what happened next. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The fact of the child was news. The function of this child was gospel. This is the gospel, the good news of a child that would one day offer humanity full restoration and redemption and reconciliation to the Father. This is the good news 
of the presence of Jesus. And it is a presence that demands a response. Right here in verses 16 through 20, we see four different responses. How did people respond to the coming of Jesus to this earth? The four that we see in this passage is proclamation and amazement and reflection and praise. And so let's look at these four together as these four ought to be the same responses that we share. First, proclamation. The shepherds, they spread the word. They go out with this investigation, with a little bit of hope and a little bit of faith. They're curious. They set out to find the baby. Are we going to find what this angel has said we would find? And this would decide whether or not what they experienced with the angel, if it was a shared hallucination out there one night in the fields, or if it was in fact a divine and trustworthy announcement, something true. And when they found Jesus, just think about it. He didn't look like a savior. Probably smelled a little bit like a barn. There was no halo over his head. There were no angels hovering around. Just a simple scene. And a young, poor family. What they saw was a savior that they could relate to. Poor and of no reputation. Plus, if the shepherds were considered unclean due to their contact with animals, then so was Jesus. So how did they respond? Well, they became Jesus' first evangelist. They didn't sit around together and talk theology. They didn't sit Mary down and say, we have to ask you a few questions. They didn't quiz Joseph. Instead, they went out and spread the word. What was told to them was in fact true and happening, and so they went and told everybody else. They proclaimed the good news. Soon all of Bethlehem would have heard the story. They would have heard about Jesus. Second response that we see, all who heard it were amazed. There was amazement. The recipients of this story, as people heard the testimony from the shepherds, they were likely astonished and surprised, and eventually that surprise would result in wonder and excitement and marvel. These were the very first people invited to believe this gospel, that this baby would in fact be the savior of the world. This good news of great joy was for all people, all nations, would and could benefit from this birth. This good news, it's not an emotional boost for us on difficult days. It's not advice or 10 steps to a happier and healthier life. This is the arrival of our Savior, this helpless little baby in a manger, the box there, the cattle box, this helpless little baby that gives us warm and fuzzy feelings this time of year, is also the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He demands our obedience. He demands our worship. He demands our life. There's a sergeant who was once with a group of soldiers that he had trained how to jump out of an airplane and pull their parachute and arrive safely to the ground. And these soldiers were ready. They had finished their training. The sergeant then explained to them, if you jump and you pull and your parachute does not come out, there is a backup chute. So you return to the firm position that I've trained you to and you pull the backup cord and you'll still arrive safely to the ground. So nervously, One soldier raised his hand and he said, Sergeant, 
if my main parachute does not pull, how long do I have to pull the backup cord? And the sergeant looked at his soldier and said, the rest of your life, soldier. You have the rest of your life. How long do we have to respond to the message of Jesus, this Christmas story, the offer, the free gift of salvation, this good news called the gospel, this free gift of grace, the invitation to be a son and a daughter of God? You have the rest of your life. And so if you share in that amazement, and maybe you've heard this story your whole life, or even if it's relatively new to you, but you've kind of picked it up via osmosis, but you've never made that decision to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus, to say, I believe this is true for my life, maybe this Christmas is the time that you fully surrender. Maybe this Christmas is the time that you accept that invitation to become a son or a daughter of God. How long do you have to respond the rest of your life? Of course, we don't know when our lives will expire, so I would encourage you, don't delay. Dive in. Surrender. Walk with Jesus. So proclamation and amazement, the third response that we see in this story is reflection. It says that Mary pondered what had happened in her heart. There is a song that you're likely familiar with, and the lyrics are pretty heartwarming questions for the mother of Jesus. Mary, did you know? That's pretty good because I'm on a lot of Dayquil right now. The song can be emotionally touching, but the lyrics can also come across a little bizarre if you think about it, because Mary didn't know that her son would one day walk on water or heal a blind man, give him sight, or calm a storm with his hand. Of course, Mary did not know those things about her son, but there are other questions in that song that are just not worth asking. Like, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Yeah, she knew that. Mary, did you know that the child you've delivered would soon deliver you? Yes, she knew that as well. Mary, did you know that when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? Yes, she knew that as well. And she's probably thinking, stop asking me these questions. So maybe a new song should be written, Mary already knew, so back off. (laughs) The angel told Mary these things. Mary knew that her son would be great, that he was the son of God, that he was holy. Mary knew that Jesus would be merciful to all mankind, that he would be called the son of the most high. And she knew that the Lord God would give him the throne of his father, David, that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and that his kingdom would have no end. So Mary took what she knew and took what she saw that had happened and persistently reflected on the meaning of it, pondered the implications of it all. So we see proclamation and amazement and reflection and lastly praise. The shepherds glorified and praised God for all they had seen. This story, yes, it happened one night many, many years ago, but it's been happening ever since and it's happening right now. This story doesn't end the story of our Savior 
As people who believe and benefit from the birth of Jesus, we do respond in worship and in praise. He was born to die. He was born to pay the penalty of our sin. And then to resurrect from the dead and to return again one day. So here we are, Christmas 2018, acknowledging and remembering and celebrating his first arrival in the form of a baby, but also fully anticipating in our spirits his second coming, his second arrival, that he will come and he will make all things new and make all things right and establish his kingdom on earth and rule over all of creation. So we celebrate Christmas, but we also anticipate his return. So, my question for you this Christmas is how are you to respond? Maybe all four of these that we've looked at today from this story, or maybe you just feel prompted toward one. Maybe this Christmas is a time for you to consider who in your life can you share the Christmas story with? Somebody that you work with, someone in your neighborhood, a family member that this would be a Christmas that you don't just celebrate the story, but you proclaim it in your life. And you share this story with someone else, someone who needs to hear it. Or maybe you've been amazed for the very first time, and this Christmas is the time, like so many have over time, to surrender your heart to Christ. You've heard it before, maybe, but you've never made a decision to surrender and to walk with the Lord. Maybe you've heard this Christmas story 75 times. 75 Christmases in a row. And you need to walk away today amazed for the first time in a long time. And actually reconsider again what this story means for your life. Or is this a year to further ingest this story? as we see Mary did, to tuck it away in your heart and to really ponder the implications of this story in your life, to let it take roots deeper into your soul than it ever has before. I'm not sure what your response will be, but I know that all of us, if we're in Christ, sons and daughters of God, for all of us, our response should be that of praise, that of worship, Really, this isn't a cute, fuzzy, warm story of a baby. This is a huge story of a baby that became a man who died for you. And for that, all of us, all of our hearts should erupt in praise. So let's do that together. Let's stand to our feet and lift our voices this morning.